Greetings, everyone. This is Greg Drevenstead, Editor-in-Chief at Rider Magazine and your host for the Rider Magazine Insider Podcast. Our guest today is Wayne Rainey. Rainey is a motorcycle racing legend. He won AMA Superbike Championships in 1983 and 1987, and with teammate Kevin Maggi, he won the Suzuka 8 Hours Endurance Race in 1988. From 1990 to 1992, Rainey won three consecutive Grand Prix World Championships in the Premier 500cc class battling it out with fellow American Kevin Schwantz. In 1993, while leading the GP championship, Rainey suffered a career-ending crash. Since then, he has been a team manager for Marlboro Yamaha and raced in the World Supercart Series. In 1999, he was inducted into the AMA Motorcycle Hall of Fame, and in 2000, FIM named Rainey a Grand Prix racing legend. Rainey is now the president of Moto America, which has managed and promoted the AMA Superbike Series since 2015. Wayne, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Greg. Happy to be here. Great. Well, it's a real honor to speak with uh, racing legends such as yourself. Uh, I know your career includes multiple U.S. and world championships, and you've been inducted into the AMA Hall of Fame and been named an FIM Grand Prix legend. Um, tell us how your career in racing, motorcycle racing got started. You know, I grew up in Southern California, and uh, my dad raced motorcycles. Uh, as I was growing up, I lived about... Um, you know, 20, 30 miles away from Ascot Park. So I would go out there uh, every Friday night and watch the flat trackers race. And then when I got old enough to start riding, um, I started racing mini bikes. And, you know, back in, you know, back in the 90s, or I'm sorry, back in the 70s, there was a lot of racetracks back then. You know, there was like seven or eight tracks within a 50 mile radius, Saddleback Park, Indian Dunes, Trojan Speedway. And I was able to race a lot as a kid growing up, and it just carried on from there. So you competed in the Grand National Championship, so you've done some, you know, dirt track racing as well as road racing to really get your career going? Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, so the early part of my career, the first 11 years, I raced flat track. I was a top novice, uh, junior, and then I raced, uh, you know, uh, the Camel Pro Series. And I uh, had a couple uh, podiums, and uh, but I got the opportunity to go uh, try uh, uh, um, club racing, road racing for Kawasaki. And I saw that there was a future there with the manufacturer. And so I pursued that and I was able to sign on. I, actually, I went to a, my uh, AMA road race and I rode in the 250 class. It, back then it was the novice class and it was uh, 1981 at Loudoun, New Hampshire. And I ended up, uh, I was wearing my flat track leathers and dirt track boots. And I had never been to this track at, uh, in, in New Hampshire and never ridden this bike. It was a, a two stroke twin Kawasaki, but uh, in, the, in the race, uh, uh, it rained. So I was really comfortable because of my dirt track background. And I ended up winning the novice race by 20 seconds. And then the next day, Gary Mathers, the team manager of Kawasaki Superbike, offered me a contract. So, you know, I drove back there and flew home. So it was, uh, I've been flying ever since. That's great. That's great. Well, I know you've won a couple of AMA uh, Superbike Championships. And then um, in the early 90s, you won three consecutive uh, Grand Prix World Championships in the Premier 500cc class. Um, you know, you were part of one of those uh, golden era of GP racing where there were a lot of Americans or, you know, um, uh, Kenny Roberts, uh, Freddie Spencer, Eddie Lawson, yourself, Kevin Schwantz. I think I added it up from the late 70s to early 90s. Uh, 
you guys accounted for 11 world championships in the premier class. And um, so, uh, and also your rivalry with Kevin Schwantz is something that's still the, the stuff of legend. What was it like, you know, competing on the, on the world stage? I mean, you clearly worked your way up uh, through a lot of hard work, but what was it like competing at that level? Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty intense. Um, you know, winning, um, won the AMA uh, Superbike Championship in 83 and then in 87. And then we went on to race on the world stage. You know, I went from racing Superbikes to Grand Prix 500cc two-stroke bikes, which were a completely different type of motorcycle to race. They were very violent, very unpredictable, but very, very uh, satisfying when you could get it right. So, you know, I was kind of patient when I first started and, um, you know, I, I was able, I think the first year, I think there was 12 races. I finished on the podium seven or eight times, finished third in the championship. So that gave me a lot of confidence to think that, that I could actually ride these bikes and compete against, you, you know, Eddie and Wayne Gardner and Kevin Schwantz. And so, um, you know, in 1989, my second year, I actually raced it out with uh, Eddie Lawson for the world championship. And it came down to the last race. And it didn't, uh, it worked out better for Eddie than it did myself. I made a mistake and uh, jumped off in Sweden. But uh, in 1990 through uh, 92, I was able to win the world championship. And um, yeah, I was, um, I was very fortunate to race with those guys back then. Uh, the Americans were very dominant. As you said, Kevin Schwantz and myself had a, we had a rivalry that, uh, you know, we focused on each other quite a bit on the track, which maybe kind of helped me in some ways that I didn't think about the other guys as much at times. So, uh, so I was able to, you know, race against him. I was able to actually, you know, wrap it out away from, from uh, the rest of the guys and that, uh, and it paid off. So um, yeah, I was, uh, I really enjoyed my time racing then, you know, looking back on it now, you just, you, you know, you, you kind of, you realize that uh, the Americans were so dominant back then when you look at where we're at now. So um, it's, uh, yeah, I was very fortunate to be a part of one of those Americans. Well, great. I, you know, I know that, uh, you know, you were uh, leading the championship in 93. I know you had an unfortunate accident that uh, brought your career short. Um, uh, since then, you know, um, uh, moving forward, you are now oversee the Moto America series. Uh, I think since about 2015, you and your, your partners have been uh, managing that, that series. So your career has kind of come full circle. You had AMA Superbike Championships and now you oversee that series. And it's, you know, I know there's been a lot of growth in the series. There's quite a few classes. So tell us how AMA Superbike and, and the other classes within that series, sort of um, how, they've, how they've changed since Moto America took over. Yeah, I think since, you know, since we started, um, you know, I think when we first got the series, there was, there was like 65 riders. When we first started, uh, there was just a couple races. There was no TV. So we, we kind of, you know, when we was able to acquire the commercial rights, you know, we decided to change the rules in Superbike and go more towards World Superbike because we thought we could get more attention from more teams, manufacturers, and riders to come compete in the U.S. And, you know, here we are seven years later, and we got, you know, Yamaha, Suzuki, Ducati uh, in the championship now. Um, we have a lot of international riders with uh, – uh, Loris Baz and Tony Elias and uh, uh, Hector Barber, uh, the guys that raced in MotoGP. Um, you know, when we look at uh, you know, when we first started the series, we wanted to make it competitive and make it to where the series was when you would, if you could do good in our championship, you would be able to go on and race in the world championship. 
And so we're starting to see that now. We, we see Joe Roberts and uh, Cameron Bovier. You know, they were both our champions in Moto America, along with uh, Garrett Gerloff racing in World Superbike. I believe he was fastest today at uh, the World Superbike round. So, you know, it's starting, to, it's starting to work in the way that we envisioned it. And, you know, now, you know, the, uh, this year, the, the attendance has exploded. Uh, you know, Moto America, it's taken us seven years, but it's, uh, it's really on a path that um, reminds us of the old days. Sure, sure. Yeah, I know that uh, some of the national series are very much, you know, that's how racers move up through their career and try to get up to, to the world stage. So in addition to Superbike, I know you've got multiple classes and some of our listeners may or may not be familiar with all of them, but, you know, I, I know that at the top level is Superbike, but uh, we've also got things like King of the Baggers, sort of give us an overview of, of the different uh, classes that are, are within Moto America. And um, I know that we've got, what, nine, nine total rounds this year or this season, but uh, I know not every race, not every class is in every uh, round, but what are what's an overview of, of the classes in motor America? yeah so we've kind of got soup to nuts all the way through uh greg so like we've got uh we got the ovali mini bikes so they race at four rounds with us this year and uh, those are racers as young as six years old up to 12 and and you know up to 14 to race in moto america proper in the professional class you have to be 14. So our class there that starts, it's, it's the youngest class in our championship, and it's called Junior Cup. Uh, from there, you go to Twins, the tw uh, Twin Cylinder Bikes, and then we have uh, the 600 Supersport class, which has been around forever. That's a highly competitive class. And then we have a very popular class called Stock 1000. As a matter of fact, this weekend at uh, Laguna Seca, we're going to have close to 50 bikes for that event. Wow um of course but only 38 qualify so some some will be going home and then we have uh the honus superbike class which is our main class and um you know we're we have over 33 entries for that this weekend and then we also have king of the baggers which we started last year at laguna seca and uh we have a three round uh series with that mission food sponsors that so uh yeah it's uh we've kind of got a little bit of every a little bit of something for everybody Sure. It's interesting that, that I know the King of Baggers has gotten some attention because that's um, similar in the flat track uh, series that uh, it's 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 reignited this classic American rivalry between Harley Davidson and, and Indian. And then, of course, when you see motorcycles that I know things like the Harley Davidson Street Glide is one of their top selling motorcycles to see a bike that looks a lot like that, you know, competing on a, on a racetrack. It's it's sort of like one, it's it's sort of unexpected, but at the same time, people can relate to it, you know, I mean, because stock cars and NASCAR, anything but stock, but these, these baggers, I know they're, they're not exactly like you would get on the showroom, but they still have the body work. You know, you still got the fairings, you still got the saddlebags and so forth. And that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, you know, the, you know, when you said NASCAR, basically our super bikes is more closer to what the NASCAR concept is with a production bike and then you race it. But, you know, the king of the baggers, I mean, that's a cruiser. And, um, you know, when that opportunity came to us last year, you know, I had to do a lot of convincing to my partners that, you know, I think there may be something here. And uh, so we was able to put it onto the racetrack. And um, we, you know, that was my one concern was I didn't didn't know if they would be very slow. Uh, what would happen if there was an accident? Um, you know, are they safe? Uh, are the, you know, are the bags gonna drag around the corners? 
But when we were able to see the bikes that showed up and saw the Olin suspension and the Brembo brakes and you know, it's got the big fat Dunlop tires on it and uh, carbon fiber uh, baggers uh, bags, and then you you hear the the sound of them. Uh, it was just amazing. So it, it's very you know the, the idea was to try to get another three or four thousand people to come to the track because of somebody that wouldn't generally come to a road race. Sure. So putting baggers um, on a road race track is <laughs> it it, uh, it there was a big curiosity about it. And uh, now we have a, a, a three race series and we plan on ex expanding that to a few more next year. That's great. I know that uh, the, like I said, since it's only a three round series that the final round for this year will be at the, uh, at Monterey uh, weekend of July 9th through 11th is the leader in that series is, is Kyle Wyman. Um, I also know that he competes in the, the Superbike series. So are there a number of the racers that are, are competing in, in multiple classes, uh, you know, like that, the crossover? I know he actually, after winning a race at Road America, then was injured uh, in a crash and, in a superbike race, and he might not be able to compete in, uh, in Monterey. But you have several of these racers that, that are in multiple classes? Yeah, you know, so, the, you know, the, the baggers class, it was a big curiosity last year. So then we saw that you could actually race these bikes pretty quick. So Wyman, Kyle Wyman, um, he's been in our series and the Superbike series since we started. He's got his own uh, Ducati Superbike team. And then at uh, the last uh, two rounds ago at Elkhart Lake, he ended up fall tipping over and breaking his elbow. So he's got, a, I believe, a plate and some screws in his elbow. And, and uh, so he also rides for the Harley-Davidson Screaming Eagle factory team, him and his brother. And so he's got the point lead, I believe. So he's at this round, uh, it is for the championship and it's against Tyler O'Hara on the Indian. So what Wyman has to do is he has to, he's, he told me he has to finish sixth place. So reminding me of, a, of an incident that I had one time at, uh, at uh, Loudon, New Hampshire, I'd fallen down and broken my elbow. And then we ended up, I had some pins put in it, but I raced two weeks later at Laguna Seca. And we had made a cast with a hinge on it uh, at the elbow. And I was able to go race and actually, you know, competed on a 500 Grand Prix bike and a 250. So I told Wyman, I said, if I can do that, I think you'd be able to muss around one of, you know, the, one of them bagger bikes. So he, uh, he's, he's going for it. He's going to be here racing. So he won't be riding the super bike, but he will be trying to win that championship for Harley. That's great. Wow. You know, that's the, the real tenacity and determination of, of, a, of a true racer. I mean, you know, like I said, I'm sure you've got lots of stories like that. And, you know, there's the classic scene from On Any Sunday when, um, I don't know, it was Gary Nixon or Dick Manos cutting off his cast. Right. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, it was uh, Dick Mann. Yeah, I cut off his cast. Jim Rice uh, rode with that broken nose. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, the, real warriors. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's that's the thing. And so, that, that's great. I didn't know uh, if he was going to be able to compete in Monterey. So I know there's a lot on the line. And um, again, you know, for these manufacturers, I mean, uh, you know, I, for manufacturers like Harley Davidson Indian, they don't compete in a series like Superbike. So for them, you know, bragging rights is really important for their brand, you know, for it is for all manufacturers, of course, that's why they invest so heavily in racing. But it's great that, you know, like I said, there's a championship on the line and he wants to do everything he can to, to bring it home. Yeah, well, exactly. You know, and along with, you know, along with that, um, 
that series, King of the Baggers, you know, you also got, you know, Parts Unlimited and Drag Specialties. There's a lot of vendors that come that, that come along with that, which, you know, actually, you know, helps, you know, our, uh, like the Monterey Speed Fest, you know, we've got a lot of vendors, we got, uh, there's a lot of other things going on besides just the racing, you know, we got a carnival, a wall of death, you got a freestyle MX ramp. Um, you know, I, I did a deal where we call it the rainy ride to the racetrack and that raises money. Um, it's a 5013C um, for the, uh, the Road Racing World Action Fund and we raise money for the air fence and that helps protect the, you know, the riders. So, uh, you know, this weekend we've got about 180 entries at, the, at, the, um, at this event, which is a record for us. We have no more room in the paddock. We actually have people trying to sign up even today. But, uh, you know, we had to, at some point you have to close the entries. And uh, so we, have to say, we had to say no. And this is, it's kind of sad that we had to say no because of, of the way that it worked out. But it's also good that it's the, the, the series has grown so much that, um, you know, they're still trying to get in a week before the, the event. So, you know, ticket sales for Laguna Seca has exploded out there. Actually, at all of our events this year, it's been very popular. I think everybody's, you know, after the pandemic has been wanting to come back, get out of the house and come out to the racetrack and go camping and kind of just be around people again. And it's really benefited us. And we're, you know, we're seeing an explosion in, uh, in spectators. So, you know, I, I really feel good about what the American series is doing and, and uh, we're really excited. That's great. And there is, of course, you know, nothing like seeing a race in person if you can be there. You know, I was uh, been to a, a number of races there at Laguna Seca and I was there actually watching at the corkscrew and I think it was 2008 when it was the Moto G, one of the MotoGP rounds and Valentino Rossi did his or a bit of an off-track pass uh, off on the corkscrew with Casey Stoner, and that was just it ended up being kind of a legendary pass. And uh, so to be able to see that and and hear it and feel it and and part of that is is great. And like you said, you know everybody's uh, you know had limitations over the past year for a variety of reasons with the pandemic, and so I think people are really excited to get out and go experience things in person that they've been forced to experience either through streaming or watching on TV. And of course, you know there are going to be race fans all over the world that. Uh, so how do, if, if, let's say, for example, you, you can't get to California, you don't have tickets yet or something, how would you watch Moto uh, America racing on TV or uh, streaming? How do you watch that? Yeah, so, so we, have a, we have a subscription for live streaming called Live Plus. And uh, so, you know, we show all three days of uh, practice qualifying and we show the races on the weekend in every class through that. Uh, you know, we do a, it's, it's a very popular uh, uh, platform that we have. We also have our races on uh, Fox Sports 1 and 2. We have MAV TV, we have um, uh, Eurosport. We have a, basically, the TV now goes across the world. So it, it's been very popular. We have a lot of fans from abroad. But um, yeah, so if you can't come to the racetrack and you can't come to beautiful Monterey to come experience Laguna Seca this week, and that's the best way is Live Plus. Great, great. So I know uh, also there, are, I wanted to ask about a couple of the, the support classes, like I know Royal Enfield has their build train race uh, program, which is, uh, you know, focused on, on female racers. And then you've also got the super hooligan series, which, you know, tell listeners a little bit about what these uh, support classes are like. Yeah. The build, the build train race program with Royal Enfield, you know, it's for the ladies. And uh, I actually saw them, I was at um, uh, road, Amer road America at Elkhart 
couple races ago, and that's where they launched that for uh, Moto America. And uh, so it's really cool because each lady's got, they have to work on their own bike. So they, they build their own bike and they're not allowed any help from their boyfriends or their husbands or anybody. They have, they have to do it themselves. And they're going to ride at, um, at Brainerd, actually going to race there. So um, it's very popular. And um, what was the other class you asked about? Uh, about the super hooligans. Oh, Roland Sand super hooligans. So, I mean, this is really crazy too, because, you know, Roland's a good friend. You know, he used to race the AMA uh, 250 class, I believe it was. And of course, now he's a legendary builder. And uh, we've talked to Roland a couple times about trying to do the super hooligans on a road race track. And uh, so I don't know if he was quite ready before to go do that because he was just doing it on some flat track stuff that he had put together. But uh, we talked him into doing it here at uh, Laguna Seca. So we're actually going to have super hooligans going around Laguna Seca. That should be a real sight going through the corkscrew. But, uh, you know, there's some, you know, we have a lot of, you know, ex racers that are, that were big names racing in, you know, the series this year. We have, you know, there's Ben Bostrom and, and uh, you know, Frankie Garcia and Tyler O'Hara, like I said, and, and Wyman and the King of the Baggers. And then we got Jake Gagne, Loris Baz, and Josh Heron, and uh, Bobby Fong, Hector Barber, Tony Elias is coming back to race in the Superbike class. And then, uh, you know, the class that I really enjoy probably uh, the most, because it reminds me of my rivalry that I had with Kevin, is the 600 Supersport class. And, the, and uh, there's two racers in there that really go after it every single uh, race. And it just reminds me so much of that rivalry that I had with Kevin. And that's Richie Escalante and Sean Dillon Kelly. Um, they're really duking it out. And you know, everybody in the paddock uh, looks forward to that race. So yeah, there's a lot, uh, lot to come watch and enjoy. Yeah, the diversity of classes, uh, you know, the rivalries, whether they're individual racers or they're manufacturers is, is really what sort of gives a great story and gets people invested in racing. It's not just the action on the track, but there's the sort of, you know, it's the between the races and changes in point standings and so forth. So that's great, uh, you know, that Moto America has grown so much because the American race, various racing series have always been very important. Uh, you know, again, uh, we talked at the beginning about how they are, uh, they are development classes in some ways for the world stage, but they're also, people have long illustrious careers just on, you know, in American race series. And um, it's great to see a, a variety of classes, so many rounds this year. Uh, and like I said, to hear that there's so much growth with not just, you know, racers on the grid, but attendance at races, uh, you know, viewership and so forth. So we definitely, you know, I would encourage anybody, if you can get to Monterey for the weekend of July 9th through 11th, uh, definitely go in person. It's a beautiful venue. If you can't get there in person, uh, definitely check out the, the live streaming. There's uh, the TV options that, uh, that, that Wayne mentioned, and we'll have links to all that in the show notes. So I, I really appreciate your time, Wayne, giving us a, an overview of, of Moto America and uh, how great things are going. Uh, again, this is, this is a great thing for uh, motorcycling in general and the American racing culture and all of it. So uh, yeah, good job. Yeah, well, thank you very much for the support, Greg. And, uh, you know, you know we, uh, we really enjoy the support of our fans. Uh, we certainly couldn't do it without them. You know, from, you know, being on this side of the, of the series, not being just a racer, you know, there is so much that goes in to pull off one of these events. And I think, uh, you know, we're seeing that, um, you know, the people that do come to the Moto America races are really, they really enjoy the experience. And we see that in the growth of the attendance. So, um, you know, if any of the fans, uh, they come to this event and uh, make sure you come by, uh, say hello to Wayne Rainey.
Thank you very much for your time, Wayne. So for the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast, I'm Greg Drevenstead. Thanks for listening and keep the rubber side down. <laughs> if you've enjoyed listening to the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast, please subscribe, leave us a positive rating and tell your friends. We also encourage you to visit writermagazine.com where you can get the latest in motorcycle news and reviews and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. You can also subscribe to print and digital editions of Writer Magazine, which is published 12 times a year. Thanks again for listening.